All right, but we are doing um, God's glory alone. So here's what I want to do. I want us to think about this phrase back here, saved from sin and death by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. I'm not going to touch Scripture alone this week because that's going to be the subject next week, but this is what I want to do with the other three. Grace alone, so if you just get grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, to the glory of God alone, those phrases by themselves mean nothing, or you don't know what it means yet. You have to fill it out. Slogans are helpful for memory's sake, but they can be dangerous for theology if you don't fill it in correctly, okay? And that's what I would call sloganeering. You want to be very careful. We, we need pithy ways of remembering things, yet you always have to fill out the slogan or else you, you think of it in the wrong way. And so in light of that, what I want to do here is, what does it mean by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone? What are we talking about? We're talking about salvation from sin and death. And actually, if we wanted to be more specific on what the Reformation recovered, you could say saved because that's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But salvation could be initial salvation, namely conversion, justification, regeneration, new birth. Let's use a bunch of big words there. That's the beginning of initial salvation when you become saved. Or it could refer to you're continually being saved. We call that sanctification, which is not the best title for it. I think transformation is a better title for that, that area of theology, of the process of, of being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And then that's, current, that's present salvation. So you've got initial salvation, present continual salvation, and then you have final salvation. What's, what do we call final salvation? For those of you who know, the glorification, right? Call glorification. So you've got justification, sanctification, glorification, or Justification, transformation, glorification. So when we talk about what did the Reformation recover, we're not talking about all of these dimensions. I mean, it did affect everything. But we're talking very specifically, when we say saved, we mean initial salvation in the slogan. What we mean is justification, being declared righteous. You were condemned and guilty. Now you are declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. So we're speaking very specifically here of initial salvation or justification. So here's what I want to do for our time. I want to say, let's look at one passage on grace alone. How is grace alone, being justified by grace alone, how does that make all the glory go to God and not to us? Not any of it go to us. Then I want to take faith alone. How is faith alone leading to God's glory alone and nothing coming to us? And how is Christ alone leading to God's glory alone and not any glory to us, okay? So I'll look at those three, grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, and how all three of those point to the fact, sorry, point to the fact that God gets all the glory alone and we don't get any of it. That's a wake-up call for you guys. All right, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, turn there. Ephesians 2, so, so my points, if you're taking notes, and there is a space for notes at the very back of the bulletin, in case you don't have your own notebook, you have... Space for notes right there at the very back. So our points are grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. How each of those are to God's glory alone. And then I'll close with application. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We're not going to have tight expositions here, walking slowly through the passage, because this is a short meditation. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, talk about how the fact that you're dead in your sins and trespasses. And when you're dead, that means you have no what? If you're dead, you have no... Life. You can't move. You're dead. You are dead in your sins, Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. But here's the grace. Here's grace alone. 
Even though you were dead, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us. What did he do in verse 5? What did God do even though we were dead? He made us alive with Christ even though we were dead in trespasses. And so what's Paul, what does Paul say? If, you're, if you were dead and God made you alive, what does, that, what, does, what does that mean? Paul finishes and tells you what it means in verse 5. What does that mean at the end of verse 5? That you're what? Saved by grace. To be, so what is grace in Ephesians 2? It is you were dead and you could not come to Christ. You had no life in you. You had no chance to be saved. And God made you alive even though you were dead. Think of the story of Lazarus, right? Lazarus in the tomb. And Jesus says to Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth after being dead for four days. And what does Lazarus do? He comes alive. What did Lazarus, what work did Lazarus do to contribute to that? Nothing. He just obeyed the call. He was made alive by Christ. That's grace. It was completely given to him. Nothing he did to contribute to that, except being dead. Right? Dying was his contribution. He had to die so that, so that he could be raised. And so, when we talk about grace alone, what we mean is when you got saved, when you were justified, declared righteous through faith, it was because God gave you life when you were dead. You couldn't believe on your own strength. So when we say you're saved by grace alone, we're saying that, that salvation is a gift, justification is a gift, regeneration, that's the, the new life, is a gift, and it doesn't come by your work. So go to Ephesians 2.8. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from what? Works, so that what? What's the purpose? Why is it not from works? Why is it by grace? So that no one can what? Boast. If you can boast, then you get some glory. If you can't boast, all glory goes to who? To God. That's the point of glory alone, okay? You're saved by grace alone. No boasting for you. All glory to God. All boasting is in God. That's God's glory alone because it's by grace alone, not by what you did. Okay? You guys tracking with grace alone? That's it for grace alone. Now, faith alone. I was going to... You could write this down. Don't look at it now. We're not going to turn there. We'll stay in Ephesians 2. But if you look at Romans 3, 27 to chapter 4, verse 8, it has an extended meditation on boasting and how you're justified by faith, not works. Okay? But let's stay in Ephesians 2 for the sake of time. Go back to Ephesians 2, 8. You already know Ephesians 2, 8, but go, go back to it. You are saved by grace. Grace alone through what? Through faith. So it doesn't say faith alone, but that is what it means. Because it's through faith and not of what? Yourselves. yourselves. It's a gift of God, not from works. So it's not by your works that you're saved by grace, not works. And it's by faith, not works. So there's two things contrasting. Grace and faith is not by yourself. It's nothing from you. It's from nothing you do. Okay, nothing from you and nothing you do. It's all by grace and it's all through faith alone. And therefore, no one can what? Boast. Okay, so, and, and why can't you boast? Because faith, now who does faith? Do you do the faith or does God do the faith? Who has to believe? You or God? Who has to believe the gospel? God is a good guess. But anyone else have a different guess? How many of you say God? God has to be the one to believe. How many say you have to be the one to believe? The person has to be the one to believe. Okay, you're right if you raise your hand for you. You have to believe God doesn't believe for you. So you're saying, well, that's something I did. That's a work. Believing. That's as much of a work as the fact that you're not sitting on the floor right now as you're sitting in your chair. 
How much work are you doing to not be on the floor right now? Well, you're, you're putting your weight on what? A chair. But what's holding you up? What work are you doing to hold yourself up? I mean, you, you chose to sit there, but the chair is doing all the work. Right? The four steel legs of that chair is holding you up right now. They're, that's doing the work. So all glory for you not being on the floor it goes to the chair, not you, because it's doing all the work. Even though you're the one who chose to sit there. Right? So you sat there. The chair, didn't, the chair didn't sit there. You sat there. And that's the same thing with trusting in Christ. It's like you resting on Christ. But you are the one. Christ doesn't rest for you. You have to do the resting. You have to do the trusting. You have to do the believing. And yet, how much, what, what work is that? What effort is that? It's not effort. It's receiving. Just like when you receive a gift. If, um, if you are supporting John Lee, and I encourage you to do that for his T4G um, trip in April, and you use the cash app and you send him $10, he still has to receive it. He has to... Have an account, he has to have a cash app. But what work did he do for the $10? Well, I mean, he received it. But it was a gift. You're the one who worked hard. You're the one who did your, you're the one who earned that money in your job. You're the one who made the investments and you're the one who, who managed your money. And so you're the one who's giving and yet in his receiving of it, he's the one who receives it. So is receiving a work? So, I mean, something you do is believing a work. It is something you do. And yet no glory goes to you for that because receiving is not an active thing in some ways. It's a passive thing. It's, it's, it's just you receiving it. Okay? So, because you're saved by faith alone, even though faith is something you do, it's an act of receiving. That's not something you boast in because it's, it's still the grace of God that's giving it to you. Okay? So, you're saved by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Turn to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. To the right. Hebrews 10. And then we're going to go to uh, verse 11. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. Christ alone. What do we mean by Christ alone? So God's grace gives you life, not you. You didn't do anything to give yourself life. And then God gives you faith. And that faith is nothing to brag about because that's just receiving. God gets all the glory for your faith because his new life gave you that faith. I didn't prove that. I'm just claiming that. 1 John 5, 1 proves it. But then Hebrews 10, 11 says this. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifice time after time, which can never what? Never what? Take away sins. But this man, Jesus, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So who's the one who made the sacrifice? Christ did. And how many times did he make the sacrifice? Once. And how long does it last? Forever. How much? So he paid the price. Look at 1 Timothy 2.5. Or listen to me quote it. 1 Timothy 2.5 says this. There's one mediator. For there's one God and one mediator between God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus. Only one. Christ alone. Who gave himself as a ransom for all. A testimony at the proper time. Who gave himself as a ransom? You? Christ did. Who paid the ransom? Christ did. How much percent of the ransom did Christ pay? 100%. How much did you contribute to that payment of the ransom? Nothing. It was Christ alone who paid it. Therefore, all glory goes to who? To God or to Christ, not to you. Because it was grace alone that gave you life. It's faith alone, which is not really an action to boast about. You just received. 
And Christ paid 100%. Nothing you do, whether it's sharing the gospel, making disciples, giving sacrificially financially, preaching sermons, discipling people, um, giving up your body to be burned for somebody, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, using your gifts for God's glory. Everything Everything you do or nothing you do pays anything for your condemnation, for your sin. You pay nothing. Christ pays it all. Therefore, all glory goes to Christ or to God. So one, way, one verse to sum it up is Romans 11. Go to Romans 11. Romans 11, 36. This is true of all things. Paul's using it in context here, referring to the salvation, the final salvation of the ethnic people of Israel. And yet he's going to say all things here. So it applies to all things more than just the salvation of the ethnic Israel, but even to our salvation. So listen to Romans eleven thirty six. For from him and through him and to him are what? All things. All things are from him. All things are through him and all things are to him. So everything comes from God. He's the source. Everything is done through him. He's the means or the instrument. And everything is done to him. He's the goal. So God is the source of everything we do that's good. He's the source of everything we enjoy. He's the means through which we enjoy everything about God. And he is the goal. He's all of it. Source means goal. And so what's Paul's conclusion at the end of that? To him be what? In verse 36. To him be what? The glory forever and ever. Amen. All glory goes to God because everything that you enjoy and have that is good is from God. Everything you enjoy and have, including your justification, is through God. And everything you have and your justification in particular is to God. And so God gets all the glory for your salvation. All right. Two verses for application. And then we're done. I'll give you the two verses now so you can write down. Hebrews 10, 22 and 23. And then 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Okay, Hebrews 10, 22 and 23, and 1 Peter 4, 10, 11, and then we're done. So let's just look at these verses. Turn to Hebrews. Turn to Hebrews 10, 22 and 23. Application. If everything is to God's glory, including my justification, my being declared righteous, now being declared righteous means I have 100% access to God, and God is not 99% for you. He's 100% for you. Even when I sin, even when I... I'm tempted, I think about it, and I give in to the sin anyways. Even if I give in to lying, or even if I give in to lust, or even if I give in to an outburst of anger, even if I give in to complaining, at that moment you're saying God is 100% for me? Yes. Because you're justified by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, God is always 100% for you. God is for us, not against us. That's sweet news, right? That's good news, that God is always for us. So how does that apply, Okay. So if I'm supposed to live for God's glory alone, I have 100% access to God, and he's 100% for me all the time, even when I'm sinful and rebellious. What does that, what does that mean I should do? Hebrews 10, 22, and 23. So 10, 19 through 21 gives us the fact that, that there's good news that Christ died for us. But 22 and 23 is the application. 24 as well, but we're not going to talk about that today. We talk about that all the time. 22 is this. Let us draw near. Let us draw near with, true, with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let's just stop in 22. What's the application? If God has done everything to save you for his glory, then the way you glorify him 
is that you keep running to him. You keep drawing near to him. You feel, you feel guilty? Run to him. You feel on fire for Jesus? Run to him. You feel apathetic? Run to him. You feel ashamed? Run to him. You feel guilty? Run to him. You feel like you're having a really good day and, and you're really walking to the Lord? Run to him. You have 100% access to him. Christ has opened the way. You have been declared righteous by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. And the way you're going to glorify God is by running and drawing close to him. There is never a good reason not to draw close to God. You can't think of one. If you're a Christian, you never have a good reason to not draw close to him. There's not one good reason that a Christian can ever come up with that at that moment, he has a good reason why he shouldn't draw close to God. You can do the most shameful thing in the world and you, you don't have a good reason to not draw close to God if you're in Christ. And even if you're not in Christ, because if you're not in Christ, you can still run to Christ, right? God's like that prodigal son's father at the doorstep just waiting for his child to come because he's going to run and embrace you. He is 100% enthusiastic when you draw near to him, even with your half-hearted faith or your 2% hearted faith. Okay, so that's the first application. If you're going to live for God's glory alone, then you've got to keep going to the God of glory. You've got to keep running back to him if you believe in salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Second application is in 1 Peter 4. So look at 1 Peter 4. Second and last application here, 1 Peter 4. 10 and 11. Just as each one has received a gift... Use it to serve others as good stewards of the very grace of God. So you all have spiritual gifts for your Christian life. Use it to serve others. Now, verse 11 says, Now, verse 11 says, um, so that God may be glorified. My question is, how is God glorified through our, our using our gifts? Okay? Verse 11 has the answer. How do you glorify God with your work, with your, with your service? Verse 11. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's what? God's words. If I'm a preacher and I keep preaching or gospelizing someone, if you're speaking and you're speaking God's words, who gets the glory for that? If they're God's words. God does, right? Because they're his words. You don't take credit for that. God, 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 those are God's words. Those are God, that's God's truth. Now, if I'm speaking my own ideas, then maybe I could get some glory for it because it's my idea. But if I'm speaking God's words and someone starts encouraging me or complimenting me, why would I take pride? It's not my words. Okay, so if you're going to speak, if you have speaking gifts, speak God's word so that God gets the glory. And then what about if you're serving? Verse 11. So if anyone serves, let it be from what? How should you serve? From what? From the strength that who provides? God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and everything. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So... How do you glorify God if you lead in singing or if you set up chairs or if you give money um, for a gospel purpose or if you open up your home and take someone in or if you invite your neighbor over for dinner and your budget is tight but you do it anyways? How do you glorify God in that? You serve in the strength that who supplies? God supplies. So this is, this is a self-conscious act. You have to say, God, I need your strength. I need your finances that you're providing for me to invite my neighbor over for dinner. And I'm dead tired, or maybe I'm not dead tired, maybe I have a lot of energy, but even all, all the energy I have, who's that coming from? From God. So God, help me to lean on your strength, provide me strength right now to engage my neighbor. Give me strength right now to love my fellow church member. Give me strength right now for work day, for this Saturday. And if you're doing it self-consciously, 
on the strength that God supplies. And someone says, man, praise God for the work you've done. Immediately, what goes into your mind? Well, guess who gave me that strength? God did. And I prayed for that strength. So who gets the glory? God does. But if you start serving and you do what you do because you're gifted at, at, at doing things around the, the church building, you're gifted at music, or you're gifted at um, setting up chairs, you're, you know, you're gifted at serving, you're gifted at cooking. If you're just gifted at it and you just go in your own strength and someone gives you a compliment and you've done it in your own strength without self-consciously going to God, that could start to get to your head. Even though God did supply you with that strength, you're not giving him any credit for it because you weren't depending on him self-consciously when you did it. So the way to glorify God in everything you do is to say, God, it's another morning. My baby's crying. It's time to change the diaper. Please give me strength. Supply me with strength for this day. And when God supplies you with strength, who gets the glory? God does. So if everything's to God's glory in our salvation, then two things, two applications. Let's keep going to God all the time to get close to him because that's our life goal, to be close to him. And then secondly, everything we do from that closeness whether it's speaking or serving, let us do it with God's words and God's strength self-consciously so that in everything, God is the one who gets the glory and we get the joy of being used by God um, in, in whatever he sends us to do.